Welcome to your weekly Social Jack Influence Factory. Introducing your coaches, Dean Delisle, Kate Hassett, and Jackson Delisle. Hey, 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 what's happening? Hey, hey, how's it going? Hey. <laughs> hey good, we're hey, uh, broadcasting, li good, broadcasting live from the Lowe's Hotel here at the AMAA Summer Conference. So everybody's having a rocking good time. Kate, how are you doing out there? You're in the lobby, right? You got booted out of the elevator. I am. Sort of area. Um, I'm in the lobby. I was in the elevator bank and got in trouble. So I'm over here breaking rules. I got booted out. That's all right. That's all right. We're still having fun. Jackson, how are you doing over there? I know you're in the filming area. so Yeah, so I'm in the filming area, but I'm also in the lunch area. So it's going to be a lot of muting from me. Good. We'll there. make sure they save us some. All right, let's get yeah. rocking here. All right, everybody, remember to maximize your experience. Please turn off or turn over your cell phone, close your email, take some notes, and tune in, and you will learn some good stuff today. Jackson, that's you. Yep. <laughs> okay. So uh, in terms of uh, the platform, don't forget, I know a lot of you listen on the phone, but you can also tune in with your mobile app. Just uh, download the GoToWebinar app, and uh, you will be able to easily uh, get into, uh, uh, you know, get into the uh, program. And then also, Jackson, where do we feature the uh, program after it's recorded? Yeah, so after it's been recorded, uh, we upload it to YouTube so you can watch the recording. And then you can listen to the recording on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spreaker, and SoundCloud. And if you subscribe, you can get notified as soon as the uh, podcast goes up. So make sure awesome. to do that. Awesome. And uh, Kate, if people want to play with us on social, what does that look like? Yeah, so we live tweet every Influence Factory on Twitter. Follow the hashtag Influence Factory. And, of course, the most engaged wins the Starbucks gift card. So make sure you're doing that. We also are on Facebook and LinkedIn using the same hashtag. So follow us. Rock on. All right, and don't forget Social Jack members for conferences like this. Uh, you can save 50% off uh, most of the conferences that we have access to or that we're at. And we do over 400 broadcasts a year. So if you want access to any of those, you just have to let us know. We'll always make sure that we get you uh, discounted or free access passes as part of being a Social Jack member. Yeah, so make sure to check your uh, inbox for those uh, discount codes that Dean was talking about. Yeah, right on. Uh, for upcoming events, we have the Alliance, which we are here now, the AMAA Summer Conference 2018. Uh, it's been a great conference so far, and I'm excited for the rest of today and tomorrow. Uh, so, yeah, it's been a great conference so far. Uh, we, got, we have this coming up tomorrow, uh, how to get qualified referrals with LinkedIn, the Business Advisor Edition. So make sure to go to socialforadvisors.com to register for that and uh, we, we will actually register all of you uh, if you do not want uh, to be registered please let us know in the chat section just say no or no thank you and we'll make sure to get those of you who want uh, into that webinar uh, save the date for 
the blockchain ID virtual event, which is uh, coming up next week, July 24th on Tuesday from noon to 3 p.m. Central Time. Uh, Dean and uh, Brett will be flying out to uh, the Cannabis Business Summit on July uh, 25th to the 27th. Out in where is that San Jose? San Jose will be influence. Will be uh, interviewing all the uh, Fortune 500 influencers, and then there's a lot of other influencers that are now in the cannabis space. Yeah. So then we have the uh, Chicago's best and brightest, which is Friday, July 27th. Uh, if you're going to that, uh, I will see you there. I'll be there with Kate and Alex. And the SMSS virtual event is coming up uh, next month, Thursday, August 14th, from noon to 4 p.m. Central Time. Yeah, there's a lot of big brands on that show, too, so we'll oh, make yeah. sure everybody gets in. Yeah, they've been, and on the blockchain one, they got a lot of uh, big names on there as well. So if you follow blockchain, you're definitely going to see And Jackson, are all those listed on our site? So they can just go to a Social Jack site and they'll see those events? Yes, if you go to our Social Jack uh, events page, then you will see all of these, and you can register directly from there. Good, and if you need discounts, just ask. And now for the news. Uh, Kate, what what do we have today on uh, Facebook makes it easier to create ads on the go with Ads Manager Enhancement for mobile? Uh, Kate? Yeah, so if you've been following these Facebook changes, um, the algorithm changes, you know, you're seeing less of what you don't want to see, which is business updates. So they are making a lot of people pay more to make their business Facebook updates seen. So ads we're going to see just absolutely take off right now. And in the answer to people saying that they don't really know how to do it, they're making a lot easier to do it from your mobile phone on the go. So they've put in some new tools to kind of help you. One of which is the text overlay, um, letting you put the words on top of the ad. So it kind of looks a little more official. So this is a really nice tool to be able to take a video a picture right from your phone, make it into an ad and make it look nice with less of a budget. Um, also, that have come out, we each cropper from shapes and stickers, which is going to help you put logos right on top of your picture or your video. But my favorite is that they put in a template tool. So if it's your first time trying to use Facebook ads, you have no idea what you're doing, you actually can build from a template. So it's never been easier to get started with Facebook ads. Of course, we know from working with our clients and doing them that it's one of the most. Okay. Kate, we're, uh, you're breaking up on us. You're breaking up on us. Kate, you're breaking up on us. So we're going to go ahead and send that article out so that everybody can uh, read the rest of it for themselves. But thank you for covering it. If you go to app.socialjack.com, you will see the in our resource center. Uh, we will upload after the uh, after the webinar today, and we will uh, put all of the links to all the articles, anything that Neil is going to discuss here in a little bit, and uh, anything Dean mentioned. So. Uh, make sure to go and check that out uh, so that way you can get all those and you can constantly keep checking back and get uh, things from past episodes as well. So it's all in the resource center at app.socialjack.com. Make yes. sure to check that out. Sorry, Kate. I feel bad they didn't give you better bandwidth out in that lobby. <laughs> 
All right, right, on to our next piece of news. 10 common reasons why influencer marketing campaigns fail. I, uh, if you're watching this live, you see that I have the number 10, don't overlook plan B on there because uh, we actually got an email from the person who wrote this article telling us that Dean was featured in it. So they quoted Dean right here uh, in the article. Always have a plan B, have a couple of influencers that you're ready to work with for every campaign in case one falls through. This will save your career as well as your current job in some cases. This is critical, especially in situations in which you've scheduled resources and time, such as broadcasts or at events. So they quoted him, and there's a bunch of them, and I, I just didn't have enough room and uh, time to talk about all 10 uh, reasons, but if you go to app.socialjack.com, you'll see the link to the rest of this article uh, where you can read all of the 10 reasons why, uh, so help you better avoid that. So let me let me speak to that real quick. So, uh, you know, like I mentioned, we do about 400, a variety of 400 different broadcasts, and as you can see, they span different industries, and, uh, you know, we work with a lot of influencers, speakers, people at the show, and one of the most important things is that things are going to happen just like kate got stuck in the lobby and she's got some dicey internet you know there's things that happen in situations so uh what's cool about that is as long as you have a plan b you have multiple influencers you can be a little bit fluid we actually have uh, that as part of our influencer development program we show you how to tactically address some of those things so that it you don't have like a freak out panic situation if something does happen to go on. So, you know, for instance, if something were to happen and I were to drop out and, you know, Jackson yeah, knows how to pick up an interview, he has the questions, Kate knows how to pick up an interview. So there's always ways to have redundancies as part of doing this. So super quick, I'm going to uh, put up a uh, waiting list uh, request up here. If you guys want to jump on any of these waiting lists, just check these. We'll make sure you get in on these programs and then um, we'll bring uh, Neil on for his uh, portion of the interview. So real quick, influencer development and marketing, go ahead and click on the ones that are most appropriate for you. Social streaming and video monetization, uh, personal professional branding and stories or LinkedIn social selling. So go ahead and choose now and then um, we're going to go ahead and bring our guest on today. So it looks like everybody has just about made their selections. And those of you on the phone, we're seeing you on Twitter. So thank you for chiming in on that. That is awesome. Okay. So let's go ahead and close this out. All right. And Jackson, if you could bring up, uh, we're going to ready for Neil here. So. All right, so I want to welcome Neil Schaefer, who I've known. I, I think we met at Social Media Strategy Summit. Uh, he serves on the executive board for his son's uh, elementary uh, school PTA as a historian, which I think is uh, super cool, treasurer of his son's soccer club, speaks fluent Japanese and Mandarin, uh, and also uh, tries to limit himself to four cups of coffee a day and limit himself to two bottles of wine a week. And I uh, try to do that myself. Um, so, Neil, welcome. Great to have you on. And here he comes. There he is. What's happening, man? I'm muted oh, here. There yeah, we there go. go. Okay. There you go. Hey, how's it going? Good, man. I love that poster in the back. Have you always had that, the I Want to Believe poster? No, I uh, I redid my home office. So, I, okay. I uh, 
I bought these little lights here because this is just a no-brainer for small businesses. You can pick up two of these for 40 bucks because I was always dark and I had a really bad background. So, you know, social media is going so visual and videos are so important that every every business needs to have some sort of decked up video studio, I think, with the right lighting. So this is it. Yeah, right. And you can see we've converted our booth to a broadcast studio. So they brought some of the filming lights over here and uh, lit up the corner a little bit. And uh, it's funny, uh, we've had a lot of activity at the booth, but now, of course, that I'm going live on the air, everybody wants to come talk to me, right? So just the way it goes. <laughs> Murphy's um, live. <laughs> you're right. Um, but Tracy's taking names, right? Yeah, yeah good. Uh, so um, so I got to ask, were you, uh, were you an X-Files fan? Yeah, I'm a bit, it's funny because I lived in Japan in the 1990s. So uh, I got back to the U.S. in 2005. So I missed out on all this U.S. popular culture. So wow. I've been going back and watching like Seinfeld and How I Met Your Mother. I just finally watched all of Sex and the City, right? So um, <laughs> X-Files is another one. And it's just, uh, it's one of those classic, really intelligent, uh, just awesome. I mean, Mulder is such a great character. So oh my uh, yeah. Gosh. And, and, um, and, and, you know, I studied the show early on. And one of the cool things is um, I understand, you know, from my understanding is they legitimately had scientists and experts that were coaching on the show and making sure things were as legit as possible to tie to the story, which I thought was brilliant back then. Yeah. You know, that was an audit. That, that's very cool. It, it wouldn't surprise me because, you know, we don't have all the answers. Right. So uh, it raises a lot of questions. So, um, so I have to ask you, I know you've done a lot of uh, work uh, in Asia. Can you speak a little bit how, you know, my curiosity is, you know, we, our courses get broadcast because of our clients over to Asia, but all we know is we see the population log in, they participate in the class and, and we leave, but you've actually helped with influencer development, you know, if you will, uh, and influencer programs in Asia. How is that different than U.S.? I think that every uh, society, every culture consumes media differently. Uh, they use social networks differently and therefore there's uh, the concept of influence and the democratization of, of content creation and of influence is the same throughout the world. It's just varying degrees and on slightly different social networks and with slightly different uh, degrees of success. So I think that there are many countries in Asia where it's still all about the celebrity um, that, that common day influencer that we see more of like an American influencer market, I think you see less of, but on the other hand, in China, we're actually seeing if you were to go to uh, Alibaba, one of the big e-commerce sites, if you were going to go to their fashion site, fashion site, not enough copy today. Uh, I may have to go to five today, but anyway, uh, if you were to go to their fashion site and look at the top 10 uh, fashion brands, five of them were actually started by influencers. Now, that I think is the ultimate of brands actually working with influencers and co-branding product and service, if it makes sense to do right with the right influencer. Um, China obviously is the manufacturing capital of the world. So it's probably easier for an influencer there to get a tie up with, with a factory or, or you know, someone that can help produce things. But, but yeah, that's, that's you know, the China. And China obviously is gonna be WeChat, it's gonna be Weibo, it's gonna be very, very different networks. In Japan, you have something called Line, in Korea you have something called Kakaotalk. I think Southeast Asia is probably the closest here. And I'd say they probably use social media. And in fact, they spend more time on social media than we do here in the United States. So wow. uh, it's actually, yeah. And I think like Philippines is like one of the most, if not the most active, you know, country in the world in terms of social media. So, so yeah, it's, it's, uh, it, it's, it's different yet. It's the same. 
Uh, and that's what I love about this business because it's always changing. And when you when you take, uh, I mean, you know, it's going to vary in terms of uh, adoption and maturity by industry. If we just look at the United States, like B2C versus B2B and then within B2B. But but then when you take a look at different countries and then we talk about Europe, uh, it's it's really exciting. But it's all sort of developing right in different ways, but it's all moving forward. Uh, and I think a lot of a lot of brands and uh, professionals have a lot to value, obviously, from from what you're doing there at Social Jack yeah. and hopefully through what I'm doing as well. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm fascinated. I had a gentleman actually uh, from uh, from China that was at our booth yesterday and I told him I was going to have you on and showed him your website and stuff and said, you know, this is my this is my guy that, you know, I, I said, I've taught in Asia, but Neil's like fluid. You know, you're like my ambassador if anything's going to happen between here and Asia. So um, WeChat, I'm not as familiar. So are, do you maintain WeChat? Is that like a Facebook uh, level interaction thing? Or tell us a little bit how that's different or the same. So uh, beginning in 2012, 2013, social media began to go visual. And obviously it not only went visual, but it went mobile. So you look at the second most popular social network, Instagram is purely mobile, right? Right. Uh, we had Snapchat come about. We have what we call mobile messaging apps, like Messenger and WhatsApp, right? That Facebook owns them all. I mean, Facebook, Instagram, WhatsApp, Messenger, it's all under the Facebook umbrella. Uh, and what, what you have is uh, in with WeChat, WeChat is the one social network that I believe Facebook looks at regularly and looks for features to emulate. I think they've done wow. the same with Line. And what WeChat is, is it's a combination of everything Facebook has, everything WhatsApp has, everything Facebook Messenger has, add in support for HTML5 apps so you can actually create your own website within WeChat so you don't have to go out of it. Um, add in uh, every feature that is available on a smartphone like QR codes, uh, location-based services, um, add all of that in and you basically have WeChat where brands will do everything there. You'll, you'll order through the site on WeChat. You'll get customer support through WeChat. Um, you'll do mobile commerce. You'll go to the dumpling restaurant in Shanghai and just put your phone down and through WeChat, you'll pay for the order there. Uh, and that's really astonished a lot of Americans that have gone over there. So WeChat is clearly the most advanced social network uh, on earth today. Wow. And if you, whenever I present on social, hey, Neil, what's the future? It's like, that is the future. And we, we've seen Facebook do some things. We, they finally started to open up Messenger to businesses, right? You can now advertise on Messenger and we have the chats. Uh, the uh, the bots coming, uh, the chat bots. Um, slowly, Facebook is going to work in that direction. The problem with Facebook, it's sort of like the problem that I have. Uh, I don't know if you have this problem, Dean, but I think a lot of us in social media have is I have like maximize social business, right? I have neilshafer.com. I have this maximize your social brand that I've had. I used to have a windmill networking brand and Facebook has all these different properties, right? And if they were to put them all together in one, um, would it be successful or not? I don't know, but I think that's really the only way to compete with WeChat is really to get it all together in one. Facebook has developed these individually, whereas WeChat, like Instagram, I mean, it started with mobile first, right. um, and it, it started with integrating all this functionality. So it's really hard for other, it's really hard for Facebook to compete with it because they have to maintain four different, uh, four different code streams, what have you. But, but yeah, that's the future. And that, that's what, you know, we could say Weibo is a lot like Twitter, for instance. Um, and some of these networks are very similar to other networks, but WeChat is really in a league of its own. Yeah, that's uh, that's interesting. So I want to take it back to networkers. So you being one of our networkers, I want to thank you for your influence. I love your news and uh, uh, we read your blog all the time and pass it around. So I uh, love your stuff. You. Um, 
so uh, so if somebody comes up to you, say, Neil, what does it mean to be a business influencer? What's your response to that? Wow. So as you know, I'm writing a book on influencer marketing called The Business of Influence. And one of the- I think, I think you picked on my voted title, by the way, but that's just- <laughs> I think I did too. Funny story. Funny story. About two months ago, I got a tweet from a gentleman. He's actually a gentleman uh, in the PR space in the UK that's sort of a thought leader there. His name is Philip Sheldrake. And he's like, nice, nice name for a title. And he added a link, right? I usually, to be honest with you, I usually like don't click on a lot of links that I see when people right. message me because it's a lot of spam, right? And I totally forgot about him. Um, and I'm like, hey, thank, thanks for the compliment. And he tweeted me back. He's like, no, Neil, did you actually click on the link? And when I clicked on it, I went to the Amazon UK store and he wrote a book with the exact same name back in like no. 2012. Yeah, and it was, and I did my research and it didn't show up in Amazon USA because he's based in the UK, oh. but it shows up there. So it's like, um, and he's like, I'm totally okay if you want to use the same name. And I'm like, no, I can't do that. And he's a, like I said, he's well-respected. So you're going to see, you'll probably see, he gave me approval over the tweet to use the same name, but you're probably going to see some changes. But anyway, um, moving forward, one of the key concepts of, um, of, of networking and, and uh, you know, going into influencer marketing is obviously it's about these relationships and networking and engaging with influencers. But at the end of the day, the more influential your business is in that community, the more influence you have, the easier it's going to be for you to work with other influencers because they see greater ROI, greater advantages of working with you as a brand. It's like anyone wants to work with Ritz Carlton, but you may not want to work with the local motel down the street that isn't a, a global chain, right? And it's the same sort of concept. And I think that once brands become more uh, influential uh, in, in social and in digital, it leads to collaborations, not just with influencers, but with other businesses. It leads to you know, purchasing negotiations where it may work to your benefit because they see you as as being a socially infused business uh, where, you know, through word of mouth, maybe the products that they have uh, are going to, you know, are going to sell more, get more viral spread, you know, whatever it is. So the, the concept of businesses, uh, you know, should becoming more influential is sort of a key component. So, the, you know, what is business influence? Obviously, it's, it's you know, the whole concept of influence is that you have some sort of influence over a community of targeted uh, people that you want to become your customer or your partner or your employee, whatever it might be. Um, the notion of influence is if you do something, if you send out a call to action, if you want some people to go to a website or to join an event, that they will do that, right? And I think that's the key thing. It's not about the number of followings you have. It's really about the quality and the people that, that will listen to you. And then of those people, how many of them are such an advocate of you, such a fan of you that they're gonna spread the word on your behalf without you even saying anything. Um, one of the uh, musicians that I worked with early on in my career, he created an account for his fans and it's run by a fan. Um, and it's oh, a wow. fan that does it for free, right? I mean, maybe whenever he goes uh, to Mexico, they get free tickets maybe for the friends, but it's, it's, you know, because they're so passionate about this artist, they're more than happy to do that. And through that, obviously, now he has now a direct line of influence. And then from the fans, he gets further influence as they promote him. Uh, to their friends so so yeah um i you know i, I was gonna start actually dean uh, as you know i was thinking i was making my third cup of coffee for today um <laughs> you know the whole thing that I, I think that a lot of marketers have been misled and miseducated in influencer marketing and part of yep. what's really lighting a fire under my behind to finish this book as soon as i can is that really you know um influencer marketing today is very different than before and 
part of this is historical context. So I go back to when I was a senior at Amherst College and I just gotten back from Beijing and I saw the Tiananmen demonstrations and I was gonna write my senior thesis on um, you know, the new youth generation of China at the time and the Tiananmen demonstrations and try to pull from popular culture, what were the trends that led to this? And my dad, who's like an intellectual, he was an elementary school teacher, right? You know, MA education, NYU. He goes, Neil, he goes, don't you think you need a little bit more historical perspective? Uh, you need a little bit more time to seep in, to really understand right. the historical implications. And, and that is really how everybody needs to think about social media. So yesterday, I need to make some graphics for a, a webinar promotion I'm, I'm gonna be doing. So I go to these like always updated image size sites and they still have like Google Plus above Twitter and LinkedIn, right? It's like, this was written five years ago, Google Plus, and I think most marketers would agree is pretty much irrelevant today. So influencer marketing, just fast forward to today, it's just very different because organic social is pretty much dead, paid social, and, and I agree that, you know, you can still get great results with Facebook, but it, it's only gonna become more expensive, right? Um, yes. And the things, the things that you used to be able to do, I mean, you can try further retargeting and further, uh, you know, creation of, 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 uh, of, of micro, you know, targeting and, and what have you and try to optimize that. But the long story short is it's really becoming pay to play. So what are other ways in which you can leverage social, you can leverage digital to get the word out about your company? And, and that's where influencer marketing comes in. So it's less about, yeah, we'll give away 10 handbags and, and we'll invite people to post about it. It's more of this critical way of being heard through the noise. And or, remember- or, or sunglasses. Oh, there you we, go. Give away, we give away influencer shades. That's right, I still have mine. <laughs> um, but it's really about, at the end of the day, an ad is an ad. And everybody who flips through Instagram spots the ads really quickly. And the ads are getting better, don't get me wrong. Right. But people still have a, um, they don't trust content that comes from people like them um, they trust that way more than they do an ad, even if it's coming from a well-known brand, it's still an ad. And I think the younger the generation, the more uh, they put that trust in people like them. They're digital natives. They've grown up watching, you know, starting at elementary school, junior high school of like gamers and YouTube videos and getting to know them as like the go-to people. Then in high school, then in college, you know, Snapchat, Instagram, YouTubers. And that's, I mean, that's it, right? It's, it's just right. a very, very different paradigm. And that's, I think, the historical perspective we need to understand influencer marketing today and the potential benefit for for any business not just consumer facing brands but b2b brands nonprofits even i would argue governments oh for sure for sure and one of the thing that's near and dear to my heart and you know i think this is you know i i was you know i come from a long history of technology dating back to the 80s remember punch cards that's where i come from so nice. i'm from <laughs> i'm Dude, from the I past learned, i learned pascal in high school so did you yeah. I, was ba I was basic assembler, COBOL, and RPG, but that's a whole oh, different life away. Man. I know. So, uh, so back, you know, back then, and and even through the '90s with technology, it seemed like people were sort of protective, like like it was like close to the vest. They didn't share as much, and even though we had Comdex and all these big conferences, it just seemed like it wasn't collaborative. And then all of a sudden, it feels like in the last ten years, and like Social Media Strategy Summit where we met. It's like people were, ask them anything, you know, they'll tell you how they do it. They'll tell you what they're doing, you know, and it's like, it's almost like it's moving so fast so much that it's sort of cool as long as you have a partner mindset. And in your uh, blog here, you put, uh, you talked about community, not campaign, which I love. So I quote you on this just so you know, but I said, so 
so can you speak more to that, like the openness and the willingness to partner and sort of what that, how, you know, why that is so important to an influencer as a developing influencer? So are we looking at it from the company perspective or from the influencer perspective? Well, you take us, take us, take us down the path of both maybe and, and show us how, tell us how that works together. Sure. So as a company, there is a user base that you want to reach. And organically, it's becoming next to impossible to reach them. Um, paid social, it's advertising. What's the click-through rate on even high-performing ads? It's a few percent, right? right. Um, so you're still unable to reach a majority of that population. So in that article, I go through an exercise. And I think I use Content Marketing Institute as an example. So right. anybody can go into Facebook Ads Manager, right? And look for people that have an interest in the same subject that you're promoting. And then look at your number of fans you have. And there's a delta there, right? And even with Content Marketing Institute, my God, anyone that has an interest in content marketing should like that Facebook page. But it's only like, I don't know, was it like 10 or 15% of yeah. people with an interest? So there's that delta, right? And that's the delta you want to reach. Now, not all of them are going to become converting customers, but you want to get your name out there so that more and more of them know about you when the time comes to make a purchasing decision your top of mind. So uh, that's really where you start is really mapping out. It's like, wow, this is a really, really large community. So I can try to leverage my own community and, and brand advocacy, right? I can try to leverage my employees and employee advocacy, and you should be doing all of this, right? I can try to leverage ads to get to that Delta, or I can reach out to people that are already influential in that Delta, in that community. So who's influential in content marketing? Well, you know, there's lots of tools out there. Go to BuzzSumo, right? Who's right. writing about it? Who's Who are popular authors in the subject? And that's where you get started on this journey of saying, okay. Um, and I like that notion of a B plan, right? I'm sort of curious as to who the B plan was when I didn't pick up that phone 10 minutes before this webinar. Do you, want, do you, want, to, do you want to know? I'm joking. I'm joking. No, no, we had a B. We had a plan B, but we actually did. <laughs> I am sure you did, Dean. I do not Well, I'm at a conference with 500 people. You know I have influencers here, and half of them have left books on my table, so I can go to that lunch table right there. There you go. And I can just grab somebody and go, hey, come on, I'm going to interview you. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Yeah, I don't pick up phone. Uh, I don't pick up the phone from numbers I don't recognize. So sorry no, about no, that. No, 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 no. It's all good, man. But, but you know. But, but getting back to the point, you're not you're not saying, oh, there's only like five influencers, right? You have, when you start to analyze it, you're going to have like celebrities, like untouchables, right? right? Like people that you follow, you share their content, you comment on their blog, on their Instagram photos, and they never even, they never even follow you back. I mean, it's it's like they I don't know. give you a day, right? And that, that's fine. I mean, so it, it's this totem pole of influence. So you have the celebrity. Well, well, yeah, but isn't that like the influencer? It's almost like the relationship test. And the influencer tests are sort of the same, you know. It's, it's call it dating, call it business. It, it works the same way. It's it that it's that courtesy and relationship of response, right? Yeah, I agree 100%. And no matter yeah. how many people follow me, send me tweets, I respond. I like to say no tweet left behind. I respond to anything and everything. Now, if someone like yesterday, I got in a little fight because uh, she's like, uh, "Hey, great article. We also wrote a blog post on the same article. Check it out." And it's a very, very common technique that a lot of people use that I'm not a fan of because I- Is that a phishing technique or, or what is it? Spam phishing or what? I forgot what it was. I mean, the person had like 50 followers. There was no history of responding. So I just, I sent a hashtag reply that said it doesn't work that way. Um, <laughs> and she, she tweeted back rude. And I go, look, I get so many inquiries and you have to understand that influencers are very, very busy people. I get so many people asking me, read this, read that. I mean, I have a business, 
I have a family. I'm a little bit sleep deprived. I'd like to get a little bit more sleep. I don't have you time like, to go you to like, the gym. You like, you like four glasses of wine a week? <laughs> there you go. So, um, so that, I mean, that's a whole other story about engaging with influencers. But you, at the end of the day, you're going to map out a very, very large community. One of the case studies featured in my book is VM, um, VMware with their VM World uh, Conference in Europe. And I think they mapped out a community of like 2,000, right? And right. from the 2,000, um, they had plan B. So I'm sure not everybody that they contacted engaged back or responded, but they ended up working with like 125 influencers. So maybe you're only going to work with 10, maybe five, maybe 25. I don't know. I don't know what your budget is, what have you, but it, it's time resourceive uh, or, or time intensive, resource intensive, because these are people and everybody works differently. And I think it influencer marketing almost takes us back to the PR days where social media started about relationships that influencers are the new media in digital media right some of these influencers have way more have larger communities than some of the the media sites that you see out there so when you think about it that way it comes down to like media relations right how do i get these people to talk about me and obviously these are influencers these are businesses um you know one of my uh, early clients for my agency that i did an influence marketing campaign for was uh, was really working with mommy bloggers and the most influential site for people, for mommies that were looking for information uh, about baby healthcare um, was a site called Baby Center. Well, Baby Center is actually Johnson & Johnson. It doesn't, right. it doesn't say it anywhere, but if you dig deep, it's Johnson & Johnson, right? Um, and that's the whole idea. I mean, they've been taking, they took the content of everybody and be able to create this influential site. Um, and that's, that's one example. Um, but any company, any person can create a baby center these days, right? It, it may take time to build that community and, and the SEO and what have you, but but that's really what it's about. So it's mapping this large community. It's engaging. Not everybody's going to engage back. And it's about building these long-term relationships and hopefully converting these influencers into advocates. So when you go through that list of top 200, okay, this person's an advocate, that person's an advocate. How do we work with the others? Or maybe you say, you know what? We get so much great word of mouth from just working with these five influencers. This is It's actually more effective to work with fewer people and make them more and more influential than it is to work with more people. So these are the things that you you progress. I think most brands started the other way with just like a spray and pray approach or working with really, really expensive celebrities right. um, that are very, very short term. And the spray and pray approach, you're probably you know, lowballing like, hey, we'll pay you $10 to someone with 100,000 Instagram followers to post a photo and they're gonna laugh at you, right? Um, and it's actually gonna work against your brand for the long term. So it's really a one-to-one -one it's not using some tool that lets you spam 100 different influencers. It's a one-to-one -one saying, hey, you know, we want to work with you. We're in the same space. How can, you know, we love your work. How do we create a win-win relationship? Um, you know, let's have a phone call. And getting to know them. It's, it's, you know, I go back to my days. My background is more B2B sales and biz dev than it is PR marketing. So it really goes back to those B2B sales days of you're sort of part of this ecosystem of different players that you need to work together with. And it's really all about relationships, right? Yes. And, and referrals. And that's, that's you know, I think that's that's closer to understanding, better understanding influencer marketing than if you took like a traditional digital marketing approach to it. So that's my five minute pitch on sort of uh, my yeah. advice on influencer marketing about but, community and, and, and not campaign. And it's about relationships and engagement, not a spray and pray. We'll just give all the stuff away to, people that have over 10,000 followers on Instagram type of approach. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. So you work with uh, big brands uh, as we do. And so do you see, uh, and, and we don't do as much on the B2C, we're more uh, committed to B2B, but um, are you seeing people 
sort of go away from the gifting process? Because that, that was like scratching my head. Like I know they were giving out, uh, I knew one that did suntan lotion, one did the, you know, shampoo, and they were just like rewarding their influencers. And then uh, do you remember like a few years ago, you had to disclose if you were getting compensated and I don't even know who governs that, but it was like more a legitimizing thing, but it was like, you know, you have to disclose that. So do you see, um, do you see less and less of that today then? Um, no, um, it's as popular as ever. There's actually, I'm forgetting the name, but one of my friends who had an Instagram tool uh, joined as CEO of a marketplace. That's basically, we give you free things and you post them on social, <laughs> right? Um, and, and therefore, I know you're laughing. I know you're laughing. I but, know, I know. Is that like when, product placement? <laughs> yeah, there you go. It is, right? Because these are people, you know, these are like small brands that have a few thousand Instagram followers. They get five people with 20,000 Instagram followers a piece. Um, and they're they're paying the cost of a product, which they ship out to partners. They do promotional things with anyway. So it's almost like free advertising, right? Now, the influencers with uh, FTC guidelines, I have to say that, you know, they got it for free. So usually they'll put a little hashtag at, right? Yeah. And I think that most of their followers can see through it as well. In fact, it's funny because I've posted, like I'm a big, I've become a big almond milk fan. And I oh, posted I love it, it yeah. on Facebook, right? I took a picture of like my favorite almond milk at the time. And I had a few people going, dude, did you, did they pay you to post that? I'm like, no, I authentically just really like the brand, right? Um, but I think that that's sort of where we're going. And I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing, but at the end of the day, not everyone just wants product. Um, I think maybe a lot of younger people or, um, you know, they're like, hey, I'll take free product, you know? Um, I wanna try out kombucha. Maybe there's a brand I can work with, or I wanna change my fashion wardrobe. Maybe there's a, a fashion brand that I can work with. So it's, I, I think it's a win-win and it's just a new reality of people that are talking about brands more and more um, and having more and more influence and brands saying, you know what, you know, let's, instead of giving away this free stuff to like retail outlets, like to the Walmarts or in fashion shows or to magazines for reviews or whatever it is, let's work directly with some of these people. And a lot of brands are now bringing in influencers to work on their team as like, you know, management, man, you know, influencer relation managers, what have you. So yeah, I saw it's, that. It's, yeah, it's it's you know it's a small but potentially very very effective tool, and I think if you're a startup, it becomes more and more effective. Where there's some startups where 100% of their marketing is all in Instagram influencer marketing, right? Yeah. So uh, yeah, it's not for everybody, and, and there's B2B can use influencer marketing just as well. Um, and um, you know, it's less about free product, although yeah, there are free products being given away to B and B2B as well. We'll give you you know one year free use of our of our software, whatever it is. Right, and, right, right closing that as well. So uh, it works both ways. So uh, Kate, who was on our program earlier, she started in uh, radio. I I technically started in radio WLS here in Chicago, and she was uh, in Atlanta. And she says, influencer marketing began with radio. This is when I got, uh, she got uh, gifted all the time from her show sponsors. So there would be a mention, you know, thanks to so-and-so's pizza or whatever, you know. And I forgot about that, but that was... Um, we would get gifted a lot because we would mention them on the air. So they would send us food and all kinds of stuff. So it's funny. Hey, you know, my brother worked at Warner Brothers Music and uh, there were tables with like promos of all the new LPs at the time that you could take home and employ advocacy, right? So <laughs> the, the concept, right. uh, and in my book, I mean, there's, there's a history of influencer marketing and celebrity endorsements that go back like Babe Ruth, um, Wedgwood being endorsed by the royal family. So. It, it, the concept is not new. 
But the democratization of influence and of content consumption and of content creation is what's new. And it, it's all possible with, with this little thing, right? So right. it's really changed. Oh, okay. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean, and, and that's the difference. And that's what I think you need to realize. Once you realize that, I mean, it's why we do content marketing, right? Um, it's why companies are giving away so much information. They're giving back, you know, uh, backstage uh, glimpses of, of what they do. They're talking about their employees. It's it's all and working with influencers is just another aspect of that, I believe. Yeah, and you've and you've been, man, you've been uh, probably talking content as long as I've been talking about punch cards. It's a joke, uh, <laughs> but but the. Um, but are you still a fan of the whole, remember how like about, I think maybe six or seven years now, maybe it, was, it wasn't that far, but like snackable content and things like that with, you know, uh, written versus video versus audio. What's your sort of feel on what's working, what's not working? Is there a good combo? That's a great question. I think, you know, I'm working with a Japanese client that just has little content, right? So when you have like, little like content. Start, like they're starting, they're starting out with very little to begin with. Yeah. Um, okay. So not everybody is investing in content. I mean, the U.S. is, is way ahead in this aspect. Right. There's still a lot of companies out there, especially B2B, and this is a B2B company that just don't have the content, or maybe they have the content, but it's not the type of content that's going to work well in conjunction with an inbound marketing strategy, right? So I would say, you know, make content, right? Make content, not war. Um, <laughs> and once you get to a point where I think really the key point is, are you blogging? Are you able to make something like once a week, right? Um, once you get to that point, it's like, well, how do we, how do we be more effective? So now this client, and I'm helping them with their content strategy, they're finally getting to the point where it's like, you know what, we have a pipeline now where we think we can blog weekly over the next two months. Awesome. Now we need, when it comes to social, we need visual content. We need photos, we need video. So fortunately they're doing an event uh, that I'm going to be speaking at in Tokyo actually next month, I fly out next week, where it's like, let me help you just create gobs of content on this day because it's going to be a great event great education is going to push forward our agenda. So it's looking for those opportunities. Maybe it's events. Um, and the whole thing is when you publish the content, it doesn't have to be real time. And you can, you know, uh, hoard content in, in, in one event or over one week that you can drip out over the course of time, right? Um, but yeah, that visual content when it comes to, I mean, first of all, you need a visual voice. If right. you want to take advantage of Instagram, if you want to leverage the real estate that a Twitter or a LinkedIn or a Facebook gives you, you need to have visual and we know that videos are more engaging than photos but videos are going to be more difficult to create from a not only a technical but also what the heck are you going to talk about over the course of a minute for instagram even 20 seconds for an instagram story so uh it, it becomes quite challenging um and, and and therefore you know i'd say sort of that that visual content is phase two phase one is start getting the content get your big rock content content that actually feeds lead generation, whatever it is, that's only the beginning. And then once you have it, it's like, well, is that content already old? Are you, you know, my rule of thumb is, you know, big rock content um, every quarter, right? And from that big rock, big rock content, hopefully you can create 12 blog posts, right? But and that all lead to this downloadable asset. If you have that in place, next is the visual, um, which can play a role not only in, in the social engagement, but also helping you reach that, uh, that, that big rock content marketing goal as well. Uh, and that's really, I believe, the barometer that, you know, I don't know how many companies are there. I, I know companies with a lot of budgets can get there, but for a lot of small businesses out there, that's very difficult. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't go overboard with the visual right now. I don't think Instagram is for B2B yet. Um, but as we know, it's not about B2B. It's about people within businesses doing business yes. with people within businesses. So there is a rule, right? And 
I know that when I do social selling trainings, recently the number one question I get asked, but the number one social network I get asked is Instagram because salespeople in the 20s and 30s are on it, right? They're on it more than any other. Right. Like, right? How, and, and yes, there are ways of leveraging it. So uh, whereas everybody everybody has lost that historical perspective, they're, stuck, they're still talking social selling back in 2012 where it's all about LinkedIn. Not everybody's on LinkedIn all the time. I wish they right. were, but it's not the case. So, right. uh, so yeah, so that's, that's, you know, in a nutshell, that's my sort of take on content and sort of that visual uh, text. I mean, the web is moving visual without a doubt and companies need to get there and B2B is going to be the late adopter, the, the final frontier. And I think they're going to get there. Um, and that's going to take time. So don't, don't like, you know, lose sleep over it, but just in the back of your mind, be thinking, be looking at are other uh, companies in your industry doing it. I have a nonprofit, uh, client in the diabetes space and, and now they're seeing clients uh, or competitors now half their competitors are posting daily on Instagram and they've yet to open an account on Instagram so it's like you know what there's a community there right, uh, right. we mapped out this community and and we know that they're there because uh, our, our competitors are are uh, creating communities there so that's a sign and you know I, one of my other clients this is B2C they're a hair color client and they found that their competitors were posting more frequently on Instagram than on Facebook today and, oh. and just getting way more engagement. So the world is changing, right? Uh, and we got to change with it. B2B is not there yet. I think it's going to get there. But I will also say, um, I think LinkedIn is more important than ever. And I see engagement on LinkedIn and visibility on LinkedIn that is way beyond Facebook and Twitter. I, I, don't, I, I would almost say LinkedIn is almost the second most engaging social network after Instagram, if you build the right community. And I'm not talking about company pages because it's pay to play on LinkedIn. I'm talking about personal profiles, which is why for my client, I run not only their company page, but I also help their CEO with their profile. And that's our number one marketing mechanism, marketing tool on LinkedIn. So you've got to leverage your people. And that's where we talk about employee advocacy. And if you are curious, one of the chapters in my influencer marketing book is going to be on the employee as influencer. And I think in B2B, that's really, really important to understand. So that employee advocacy does sort of fit into that. And I think, um, you know, well, uh, our our clients are, don't use social media. It's like, well, they Google for information, right? And, you know, who, who are the who are the rock stars in your organization? They're the engineers, right? The technical people. Yes, absolutely. If they do, if they do a company event, people will come to, to listen to. Well, those are the people you got to work with to at least start with content creation, right? Um, maybe help them build a personal brand on social um, so that they can become more influential. And that's sort of the, the process, I think, that beat it, since a lot of your audience is B2B, right. that I think you need to take, uh, and the sooner the better. Well, and I thought it was brilliant. You know, Mary Rodriguez, and, you know, she's now all of a sudden gone from social media, and now she's like the head of storytelling at Microsoft, and she's got all these engineers coming from the, the back room and, and bringing these personalities to the forefront and I just think this has leaps to go in today's world. Do you agree? Like bringing people and creating those influencers from within. Yeah, you know, it's it's sort of like when, when I was doing sales in Asia, um, what ended up moving deals forward, I would get to a certain point. And then I often use this tactic of my CEO is coming in from Ottawa, Canada next week. Do you think we can meet your executives or can we can I meet your report to boss? And that often worked, right? Especially in Japan, uh, the sense of sort of respect. Well, if the executive's coming out, you know, I'll have my executive meet your executive. And it wasn't just the fact that we were able to move up that that sales totem pole of influence, but also the fact that the CEO and the founder of this company had all these stories he could tell of why they developed certain products or how they help customers. So every company 
has just incredible IP in terms of stories that have yet to be told, and and that has to come out. And and uh, you know, um, you know, what Microsoft is doing is is just awesome. I think Intel has also done that. Some of the other big brands, yep. but it's time for everybody to sort of tap into that. And yeah, and you know, these yeah. people may these people may move on to other companies, but their stories live on forever, and they become your stories, your company stories. They become your digital assets. So. Um, yeah, that's sort of my, uh, I think we've, we've had a great conversation with a lot of advice for those that are listening. <laughs> Absolutely. And, uh, one of the interesting things, so here's a true story. So I have a, I have a, a client, I was a B2B uh, agency client I was looking to help and I'm just looking at them and there's so much inconsistency. And it's funny, these marketing agencies that just have like the worst presence for their people on the internet. And so they, I was sitting in the lobby and they're scrambling around and I asked the CEO, I go, what's going on? He goes, oh, we have this big client flying in and we want to make sure the office looks good and everybody's good. So they're putting on this big show. And I go, but yeah, you already, you've already blown it. <laughs> you already look like shit on the internet. So. <laughs> yeah, you know, I work with a B2B agency as well. And they're an agency of 60 employees and they only had three on LinkedIn. I'm like the number one, before I do anything, the number one thing you're going to do is get, is, and I created like training videos, what have you, teach them how to fill out their profile you have to get as many of your employees as possible on LinkedIn so that when we're doing social selling, they're going to go back to your company page. How many employees, right? Who do we have that connects us? Um, you're going to be seen as a larger than life entity, or you're going to be seen as a smaller than life entity. So yeah, that, that online branding is so critical. Yeah. That's, and, and why is it s still so overlooked? Is it just mindset? I mean, that's, that's all I can equate is that people are just stuck in the past. I don't know. Uh, you know, you and I, I think at the core of it are, are educators and it comes back to education. It comes back to, do they have a sales enablement department? Um, do they have a center of excellence? Are there, is there a part of the organization that's actively working to raise their, their digital influence, their digital assets? Uh, and you know, I, I meet a lot of VP of sales that are just lost in social. They hate it. Um, they think it's a, it's wasting their salespeople's time. Right, and they avoid it, and those are the companies that that really hurt. And the longer they have that attitude, the longer they hurt. So it comes down to the, the upper echelon of management having that core understanding, and you know, and like like Zappos or Red Bull, or, you know, whatever company you want to talk about that have been really successful. Um, sure, there's been a lot that people below the top have done, but at the end of the day, they've gotten buy-in from the top, right? Where it's like, okay. Yep. We'll give you the resources. We'll let you train our employees on personal branding, right? We'll let you launch an employee advocacy program or whatever it is. Yeah, that's uh, that's great. Uh, so, uh, damn, I always run out of time with you. I just could talk forever with you. So, um, the the one thing I saw, and I'm I'm, I'm curious of your feedback on this. So, we originally, uh, and I talked about talked about this last year. We had a lot of clients that were on the employee advocacy. I don't want to call it bandwagon, but they're buying all the apps and the management tools and they're getting employees to push content out. But yet when we surveyed their their advocates, they were they were poor ambassadors at best. Like the entire like like uh, one of my clients was bragging to me Fortune 500. They have literally um, they have literally uh, 154 advocates. And I go, well, how many? of those are influencers and he goes well what do you mean i go well how many of them are representing you well on the internet and look good and they're like uh i've got about eight a's i go how many a's do you have because we have a scoring system i go sure. how many would you rate as a's he goes eight i go 
and the rest of them are just looking poor sharing your content. What's your feedback? I mean, what do you tell people? <laughs> well, I think that um, there's two truths about employee advocacy. Number one is aim for 0.1% adoption rate when you begin. Right. In other words, how many employees do you have? If you have a thousand employees, you know, it, it's going to come down to like 10 people that are going to, that are, that are really going to join and become true advocates. So that's number one. It's not about the numbers because if those 10 people, uh, you know, aggregate may have more followers than, than your brands handle. Um, the next thing is that, um, and I'm sort of losing my train of thought here. Um, the next thing is that it requires education. Every yes. successful employee advocacy program that I know of requires actual educating your employees on how to better leverage social media for professional branding and learning to use it as a professional. And right. companies need to invest in that. They need to buy your courses. They need to come to my classes and speeches and what have you. So, so that's what it comes down to. Um, and I think that most companies start with these huge expectations and maybe it's the employee advocacy tools or you know, the marketers that are writing these blog posts about all these great case studies without realizing for every one successful case study, there are 10 that have failed. Um, and, and really, you know, understanding, uh, you know, expectations and, and starting with 0.1%, right? And not over, uh, over expecting. And then that education piece and really working together. Um, I think that a lot of employees are still like, well, you know, am I going to get my wrist slapped if I talk about my company? Or there's still a lot of that. So, yes. you know, this point number three is at some point it requires people on top. It's like my CEO doesn't even tweet. Why should I tweet? Um, so it, it does require more and more executive oversight and executive buying and executive participation of saying this is really important to our company. You know, we see you as an employee for life. We're going to teach you some core professional skills that are only going to benefit you. You may leave the company a year from now, two years from now, but you're an employee for life. In the future, you may become our partner. You may introduce someone that becomes our employee and you may become an employee again five or 10 years from now, right? Especially in a lot of these niche B2B industries, I find that people just move around from company to company and and then they get bought out and they're back at the parent company, right? Right, um, right, so right, right. It, it's really that realization. Um, and it, it's, I'm not going to say karma because then people are going to say I'm like new age. Um, but it is sort of, you know, you're investing in something that's good that's going to reap benefits for your company in the future because people are going to, people are going to, you know, remember that. Um, and they're going to see your company in a positive light uh, forever, I believe. So, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah those, are the key things. those are the key things that people really miss out on um, because they're chasing numbers. Uh, they're chasing results when it's like, you know what, all this stuff takes time. You're in, instead of building a community on social media, you're now building a community of employees that are going to advocate in your behalf. That's not something that happens overnight, right? It's, right. it's a new type of relationship and, and it's, it's, no, and it's it, nowhere in the employee contact is it written. I'm going to tweet on your behalf. So you're, you're asking people to do something new and they're not getting paid to do it either. So you got to put all these things in perspective. And I want to emphasize, for God's sakes, train your people to be good advocates for themselves, you know, for their own benefit as well as for the organization, right? I mean, you can't say that enough to people. But so, um, so Neil, it's always a, a delight having you on. I learned so much from you. Our people learn so much from you. So I just want to thank you from the bottom of my heart and appreciate you so much. Um, and so... Uh, in this, if people want to inquire more about the upcoming book, they want to, uh, I know you have some cool things to download. The blog is always good. NeilSchaefer.com, is that the best site for them to go to? NeilSchaefer.com or my LinkedIn. And uh, if you happen to have a case study that you'd like to submit for, for influencer marketing to potentially be featured in the book or any questions, um, feel free to message me through LinkedIn or through my website. 
Yeah, there you go. And yeah, and and uh, yes, love it. And everybody's going, great guest. Thanks, Neil. They love you. So it's like, good. Make sure you follow them and connect to them on LinkedIn. So uh, for sure. Well, Dean, uh, I appreciate, I have a lot of respect for, for what you're doing. And I've seen you uh, be working the space for so long and helping so many businesses and professionals. So it's always an honor to be able to be on your show and, and keep in touch. Um, and uh, yeah, just keep doing what you're doing. Yeah, for sure. So real quick, we have a question up on the screen. We'll bring uh, Kate and Jackson back. Hopefully uh, Kate's bandwidth is, uh, can survive the last few minutes. Uh, so uh, are you a business influencer? And uh, we have 100% yes, so I'm applauding everybody <laughs> because uh, everybody's a business influencer. It's just you have to decide where you're taking yourself from this moment next. So we encourage you to download Neil's info. Please follow him. Uh, obviously, stay tuned into Social Jack. We're doing a lot of cool things. So, uh, with that, uh, Kate, what did you take away from today? I just really like to hear Neil talk about this because, you know, being at this show, especially and talking to these business professionals, um, this is kind of the same thing I'm saying. So, it was a little bit of validation for me. Um, but also, I learned that I can LinkedIn message Neil and get in his book. So, look out for that. <laughs> There you go. There you go. <laughs> Jackson, how about you? What'd you give? Quick take. Yes. Yeah, so I was uh, in and out a little bit, you know, with all the people coming up to the booth. But we, uh, yeah, no, I think my favorite thing he said was, you know, we'll make content, not war. I thought that was funny. But that was also, I, I agree in the sense of what he said after is you have to create the content if, if it's not already there for you to use, you know, if it's not already present. So I, I like that. And I, I, there were many more things that I could say. We just don't have time. All right. Well, and just adding on that, when he said that you can use chunks of content and repurpose them later, we teach yeah. our clients that too. So I loved that as well. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry to. No, no, that's cool. And our engagement winner uh, for at least with the uh, live audience is uh, Dave, Debbie Rabin. So congratulations, Debbie. You'll be getting a Starbucks gift card. And then Kate, did we have any uh, winners on Twitter? Yeah, her name is Miriam. She's a new follower. I think she came out of Neil's network. So I'm about to DM her for that, for Starbucks gift card. <laughs> All right. And remember, engagement pays. So engage with Neil, engage with Social Jack, with myself and Kate and Jackson. And, and it's all about engagement, relationships. And as Neil said, it's about uh, building community, not a campaign. I love that. So hashtag Neil Schaefer. <laughs> Welcome, everybody. I'm, I'm heading on a Twitter chat. So uh, yeah. good luck. Keep in touch. All right. And, uh, We'll see you again. I'll be out in Chicago in October. Love to meet up with him. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see awesome. you. We'll we'll Sounds buy the good. deep dish pizza. Uh, All right, Cubs everybody. White Sox. We'll we'll root for the Cubs. Yeah. Thank you. All right. Good. Awesome. <laughs> All right. Bye, right. Anada. Thanks, Neil. Thank you. Bye. 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 Um, all right, so uh, thanks to all of our winners today, our participants, and everybody that's uh, listening to the podcast. Uh, we love having you on. Uh, we love having you as part of our community. So uh, with that being said, Kate, take us out. See you online. Thanks. <laughs> we'll see you guys in the next episode. Take care. Bye.